Okay, people, fantasy draft season is over, and you, Brewski, 150 your way to a hell of a team. The season is here, and the Fantasy Pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 a month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for just 5 bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel it. We know you'll love it. You'll say you'll keep it. But anyways, it's nice to have options in life. The Fantasy Pass has everything you need to dominate all year long. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the Hoop Ball Discord server, where you can hang out with all our hoop ball pros, including myself, around the clock to get one-on-one help with your team. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall and get the plug for your success for the fantasy basketball season. The following is a hoop ball presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds one. Trey Slaughter. Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on Monday, February 15th. Happy President's Day to everybody. Ahead of the Hawks matchup versus the New York Knicks tonight up in Madison Square Garden. I apologize for the delay in episodes as work and school have kept me extremely busy, but I have not forgotten about you, the listeners. But we certainly want to forget the three-game losing streak that the Hawks are in the midst of currently, but this time... This losing streak feels a little bit different. I know the four-game losing streak before when the athletic article surfaced describing the film session in which John Collins called out Trey Young's play, and the team seemed off since then. But this losing streak is different. Then there's the news of the Hawks shopping John Collins, listening to offers, and then the athletic article that recently came out written by our friend Chris Kirshner Talked about the lack of accountability as far as with this team for play on the court and the results that come from the play on the court and as well as the preparation leading up to games. So right now, as we know, players must play, coaches must coach, but it seems like both sides are a little disconnected and pointing fingers at the other. So we'll dive onto all of that after this plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? 
because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. The Hawks are currently in the midst of a three-game losing streak right now. After winning the game, not this Saturday, but the Saturday before, against the Toronto Raptors, which is a good Raptors team who's been playing a lot better, and they're now currently eighth in the East right now, the Hawks have dropped three straight games. The first game was... The Hawks' first nationally televised game on ESPN as he had a chance to get revenge on the Dallas Mavericks after they beat us the Wednesday prior here in Atlanta. The Hawks had the chance to right the ship on the road in American Airlines Arena in Big D. Where the Hawks played well and at one point had a 13-point lead in the third quarter. And then the Hawks would fall apart in the fourth quarter when the Mavericks virtually hit every single shot in that quarter to regain the lead. Hawks would fight back and get a chance on the last possession, but a screen that Trey Young tried to set on Willie Colley-Stein that did not get a foul as Colley-Stein's elbow did come up and get Trey Young in the face. And with 4.7 seconds left, Danilo Gallinari would miss a shot attempt at the buzzer to try to win the game as the Hawks fell short 118-117 to the Dallas Mavericks. Great performances that night from Trey Young, who posted another double-double, scoring 25 points, posting 15 assists, grabbed seven rebounds, knocked down four three-pointers, only had three turnovers. So he definitely responded to the first game versus the Mavericks, the very highly touted Luka versus Trey matchup. He did come to play on Wednesday night. John Collins put up big numbers as well, scoring 33 points and grabbing 11 rebounds, and he had the highest plus-minus on the team that night at plus 11. Kevin Herter also came up with a big game on Wednesday night, scoring 23 points, grabbing eight rebounds, and dishing out three assists. Not a bad showing from this Hawks team, except for Dallas just getting hot in the fourth quarter. Similar to the first game between Atlanta and Dallas here in Atlanta, and the defense basically just having no answer for Luka Doncic, which a lot of teams in the league don't have answers for Luka Doncic, so that's neither here nor there. But again, the Hawks allow their bench to score a lot of points, and they got some big production from the Mavericks bench, including from Jalen Brunson, Willie Cauley-Stein, and the former Atlanta Hawk, Tim Hardaway Jr. A very disappointing outcome, but not a disappointing effort outside of, as I mentioned, the bench output for the Hawks, which... They didn't get a lot from their bench that night, and it's been an issue this year for the Hawks only because they haven't had a full deck of cards to play with and everybody available 
to establish their roles, establish that they're going to come off the bench and bring that consistent energy and effort because there's just been a lot of changes with the injuries occurring on this Hawks team. Then the Hawks would come back to Atlanta on Friday night and have a game against the San Antonio Spurs where the Hawks were blown out through three quarters of the game and they were outscored 110 to 72. The only loss by 11 points in that game Friday night, thanks to the effort of the second and third string players, especially rookie from my home, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the LSU Tiger product, Skylar May scored a career high 20 points off the bench and Brandon Goodwin would add 13 points off the bench as well. They gave a tremendous effort, but the starters definitely fell flat outside of Trey Young, who scored 25 points and the only other double-digit score for the Hawks was Clint Capella, who put up 14 points. No one else on the Hawks, outside of the two bench players I mentioned, scored more than nine points. San Antonio shot lights out all game until the fourth quarter. We had no answer for DeMar DeRozan, Keldon Johnson, or DeJounte Murray. And it was just a poor effort, which caused Lloyd Pierce to go on a post-game rant, questioning the Hawks' physicality, execution, in-game IQ and effort, which I'm going to get into a little bit later, although it was all fair points that Coach Lloyd Pierce had in that rant. And it was in the heat of the moment, so we understand coming right off the court, that's what he saw from sitting on the sidelines. And those are the first things that came to mind when the media asked him questions. The Spurs shot almost 53% from the field and at one point had a 42-point lead on the Atlanta Hawks. And the Hawks did not lead the game at one point on Friday night. Then they would somewhat respond against the Indiana Pacers for about three quarters. And the Hawks would be in the game with Indiana. And then another fourth quarter collapse led them to their third straight loss. Outside of a 20-point performance from Danilo Gallinari, there were no other meaningful bench output for the Hawks. Clint Capella led the team in scoring with 24 points and grabbed 10 rebounds. Kim Reddish had one of his best offensive games in the last several games with 18 points. John Collins would put up 18 points as well and grab nine rebounds. And Trey Young scored 15 points but dished out 14 assists. Pacers shot great from three-point land. They out-rebounded the Hawks. But again, it came down to the fourth quarter where the Hawks were outscored 41-26. to Then that was the nail in the coffin in that game. The Hawks have now lost... Nine games in which they had a lead in the fourth quarter this year. The Pacers would make shots down the stretch while the Hawks just did not. Lloyd Pierce would place the blame again on the players just not making shots and not finishing the game. All is warranted as the Hawks on average have given up the second most fourth quarter points in the league this year. And the Hawks, as I said before, have not had a full deck of cards to play with all years. And I said a few episodes ago, even with all the things going against them and all the things that they did in the offseason to try to put themselves in position to get to the playoffs. Right now, it's put up a shut-up time, and it's time for this team to look within. Every team will have reasons for hiccups throughout the season, but they still have to go on the court. They still got to try to win games, game in and game out, or they're not going to make the playoffs. Simple as that. The Hawks have a lot of problems to solve, and it's going to have to start in-house, looking inwardly. And the issues that I've talked about a few episodes ago about accountability, we will discuss here further on this episode after this plug from Bruce Letter. Okay, quickly, 
We need to pause the show for an announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes. Back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, the GOAT, is writing an email newsletter filled with its most intimate fantasy nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not on any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in an email newsletter. And you can sign up to get it for free. I said it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021. And you get it straight from the GOAT and Brewski into your inbox and enjoy the nuggets to help you succeed in your fantasy basketball league. All right, and we are back. I touched on it before, but Lloyd Pierce mentioned what the team needs to be better at. He listed effort, finishing, execution, in-game IQ, and figuring things out. And the list goes on from that long-winded rant on Friday night. However, when Trey Young was asked about late game situations and consistency and how the team is coming together and their struggles, he talked about how his team is trying to learn on the fly how to close better and alluded to the fact that the teams that they're playing are throwing a lot at them defensively right now that they're not prepared for. That phrase, learning on the fly, typically points to a lack of planning, a lack of preparation. And just trying to just experience it for yourself to try to learn as you go through it. And it's been known that Lloyd Pierce and Trey Young may not have the best relationship. And I have noticed during timeouts when the camera is on them during the broadcast, when Lloyd Pierce is giving orders, Trey Young is normally looking elsewhere during those timeout huddles. I don't know the situation because I'm not there firsthand and this is all speculation. So don't take what I'm saying for fact, but body language does show that there is definitely a lack of trust, a lack of interest in regards to Trey Young's feelings about Lloyd Pierce. I'm sure he does respect him because he has to, and that's that professional courtesy, but it does look like he's kind of tuning him out and just ready to get back on the court. Lloyd Pierce post-game interviews where he constantly throws things back at the players as far as what they are doing, what they're not doing has been alarming for a while. And according to reports, his post-game comments and his tendency to just throw it on the players has rubbed some players the wrong way. And again, players play, and players can always give more, execute better, work harder. And like I said, effort and execution, those are things that players can control every time they step on the court, which... It's what Lloyd Pierce is getting at. But it also seems that Lloyd Pierce is avoiding responsibility for what's going on in-game when he has the ability to make in-game adjustments. They can try to see how to get their players better looks on the floor in spots where they can be effective and efficient at. Preparation, preparing your team for what's to come, or try to prepare for what they can expect. Even if you don't know it, you can talk about, hey, you can expect a boxing one. You can expect a press, a trap, 
how they're going to guard the pick and roll situations. Try to give them precursors before going into the game so they don't have to, quote, learn on the fly. And when the team falls short, accept responsibility for what's going on. As the head coach, that's all on Lloyd Pierce. As a former athlete myself, I've been there. When you are in a situation as a player where your coach continually points the fingers at the players, but yet does little to put you in positions to succeed on the court or field, whatever your you know sport that you're playing is, to make adjustments in game, before games, after games, to play to the personnel that they have on the field or on the court to their strengths, to lend them to succeed. And when coaches do that or... I'm sorry, if they do the things that I mentioned, it shows that, hey, they're taking onus on themselves and then the players, it helps the players see out of the eye and that, you know, that bridge is intact. So they say, hey, they're trying to put us in, you know, situations to succeed. We got to execute. We got to do our job. But when it seems like the coach isn't doing that, it creates a bigger and bigger rift between the players and the coaches. And this is something that will ultimately when it all comes down to it, depending on how this season shakes up, will hurt Lloyd Pierce's chances at coming back next year if they do not turn things around. This is alarming to me. Not the three-game losing streak, because three-game losing streaks happen in a season, but it's more of the lack of accountability, which they talked about in the article from The Athletic, written by Chris Kirshner, our friend. Shout out, Chris Kirshner. But again, this is alarming. It's a team effort. But continuing to make a point to separate yourself from the players and separate yourself from, hey, they're doing this all on the court. They got to get better at that. And then you have your star player making statements saying that they're learning on the fly, which is a shot at Lloyd Pierce. It's something that needs to be addressed as an organization. And you need to have a come to Jesus meeting before this can all change and changes the trajectory of their season. Everyone has the blame for the losing streaks, losing leads in the second half, the lack of preparation, lack of in-game adjustments, execution. Everyone has to be pulling on the rope with the same effort. And it sounds like from, you know, outside looking in, it sounds like Coach Lloyd Pierce is kind of acting like the guy who's on the end of the rope for the tug of war. And he's pulling, but not pulling as hard as he can while everybody else in front of him is pulling as hard as they can. And when they lose, blaming everyone else for their effort, but you got to look within and say, did you give the best effort that you can as a coach, as the leader of this franchise? Did you do all you can to prepare this team, to put them in situations to succeed? As a player, did you execute 90, 95, 100% of the time that you're on the court or the field? Did you give your all as a player? Did you compete to the max? These are questions that each and every single person in the organization must answer, but I feel that Lloyd Pierce must ask these questions of himself in order to secure another year here in Atlanta. You cannot continue to say they need to get get shots up. They got to get better at this. They got to do this. They got to do that. At some point, you're going to have to say what you're going to do as the leader of the franchise. You're going to have to say, we got to put them in better situations to succeed. We got to prepare better. We, you know, we got to look at film and see what things we can correct instead of continually deferring onto the players. Because that's how you lose a locker room and that's how you lose your job. So we're going to move on from that. I've talked about that at length on this program and it's something that we're going to continue to watch and if it does not change i'm sorry hawks fans 
and might not be sorry because a lot of Hawks fans are calling for Lloyd Pierce to be out of here. Maybe you're rooting for this. Maybe you're rooting for this continual behavior to happen and for this team not to succeed to warrant him being the scapegoat and him being shipped out of town to get the right coach in, to put them in better situations offensively. And we already have Nate McMillan to have them play better on the defensive end. And then we go from there. But we'll move on to some other rumors that we must address on this program. John Collins. The Hawks are reportedly shopping him around and wanting a high first-round lottery pick. Teams are interested, and as tough as this is for some fans to hear, and when other fans did expect it, when when you hear about us trading for Capella, drafting Okongwu, them not coming to terms with Collins this season. Maybe this is writing on the wall for some people. Maybe it's a shock for other people. But all in all, John Collins has played very well for this Hawks team this year, and I've been really excited for what I've seen from him on the court, the continual improvement in the three-point shooting, defensively, as a leader, the consistent energy and effort that he has given. He's an integral part of this team. But when you look at the team's record, sometimes, and we've seen it in years past here in Atlanta, unfortunately, sometimes his individual output in a game does not translate to wins. But like I said, he's an exceptional talent, and I love the improvement that he's shown. But he's a player that needs the ball in his hands and spots where he is effective, which is the post or behind the three-point line. He's not known for putting the ball on the floor and getting to the rim. He's not a great ball handler. He's not someone who creates for others. So those factors make it easier to say, hey, let's see what we can get for John Collins because another ball handler who can get their own shot in the starting lineup to be a second or third option is really beneficial for this team. Yes, we do have, you know, Bogey, who has been out, and we brought him in to fill those roles and answer those questions for the Hawks. But maybe there is a move that needs to be made for Atlanta in a team that is willing to pay the price for John Collins. Or maybe we ride this thing out and just say, hey, we'll see how he plays this year, and we try to sign him because I would love to keep him. But I don't blame the Hawks for listening to offers right now. And who could be good suitors? Me personally, I think the best suitor, and feel free to, you know, at me, go in my DMs, talk to me about this, but I think the Denver Nuggets with the assets that they have acquired may be the best suitor. And when you look at salaries, because the Hawks are asking for a high lottery pick, why not trade John Collins for Michael Porter Jr.? And then maybe the Nuggets throw a pick or they throw another player and we got to throw another player. I don't know, but... I'm going to touch on that scenario in a minute, or maybe because people like to say, hey, the Boston Celtics have been wanting John Collins for a while. Maybe we work out a trade, a three-team trade, and we get Marcus Smart to Atlanta. Perimeter defender next to Trey Young, who can create for others, can knock the three down consistently. And really, really, As I said, um, have, brings that toughness that Lloyd Pierce is maybe looking for out of our players game in and game out. Or maybe we partner with teams that – have been in a trade rumor mill for a while, like New Orleans with Lonzo Ball. But I think it's more likely a trade does not happen. But back to the scenario that I think could be the best option, Michael Porter Jr., who has the potential to be a really good player. He could put the ball on the floor. Although he's a liability on defense right now, he can play multiple positions. He can shoot the three at a high clip. He improves spacing for this team. And we don't have to have a crowded paint with... Collins and Capella trying to work it out, figure it out. You can have 
Porter at the three-point line, and he has the ability to blow past people with the, his size and his quickness and him being a mismatch and get to the rim. You can still run, you know, two-man game with Capella and Trey Young and have him out on a three-point line, or they run off-ball actions with him, Hunter, and whoever else is on the floor. And he's not up for a contract until the 2022 season where the Hawks would have had time to pay Trey Young and they won't have to pay DeAndre Hunter until 2023. And by then, Rondo, Fernando, and Kevin Herter will all be restricted free agents and we can make a decision there as far as the future of this franchise. It could time out depending on how things shake out, but this is all hypothetical and maybe not likely. And as I said, they need to take care of business for the next game coming up, which is tonight. And we're going to let the executives make those decisions as far as John Collins' future with this team, which currently, right now, he's needed on his Hawks team if they're going to be a playoff team this year. But I think Michael Porter Jr. may be an interesting fit. I don't know. You guys let me know what you think about that. But we'll move on a little bit before this game. Tonight against the Knicks, the Hawks are currently sitting at 11-15, 10th in the East. And the New York Knicks are sitting at 13 and 15 at 7th in the East. The Hawks lost their first matchup to the Knicks back on January 4th, 113-108, where Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett had great games in another fourth quarter where the opposing team that the Hawks were playing pulled away from the Hawks and got the dub. The Knicks have currently been playing 500 ball the last 10 games, whereas the Hawks are 3-7 and seven in the last 10 games. The Hawks are the favorites, but it's going to take both the entire staff and the players stepping up, coming together, finding common ground, understanding the game plan, and executing to win this ball game. They will have to defend the paint effectively. Collins and Capella must be ready for Julius Randle, Nerlens Noel, Obi Toppin, and all the other post players for the Knicks. The bench is going to have to be ready to play as well, especially with the addition of Derrick Rose in New York, who will look for revenge on Trey Young after that nasty crossover in the deep three-point shot that he hit on him when he was playing for the Pistons earlier this year to ice the game and get us that win when we came back to beat the Pistons here in Atlanta. The defense has regressed for the Hawks if they dropped from 12th in defensive efficiency to 19th. In the NBA, and offensively, they're still 12th in the NBA, and the Knicks are currently 24th in offensive rating, whereas defensively, they're third. So the Hawks are going to have to incorporate ball movement, off-ball movement, off-ball action to get this team some open looks and soften this defense for the Knicks to hopefully get some clean looks at the basket so we can make more shots, and we are going to have to defend the paint better. They're going to have to play with effort and finish this game because the Knicks will make them earn this win. They've done that with every single team they've played this year. They play hard. They play tough basketball. We're going to have to earn it. The Hawks are continuing to learn that it's tough to win games in the NBA. No matter what talent they added, the depth they have, they have to compete for 48 minutes in order to win games in the NBA. They're learning these tough lessons early. And it's not too late to turn things around for the Hawks. With two-thirds of the season left to play, they have plenty of time to make up ground and put themselves back into playoff position in the standings here in the East and maintain it going forward. But like I said, it's time to put up 
or shut up about the playoffs because they are trending in the wrong direction and every game already matters, but it's approaching a point where if they continue to trend downward that they're going to have to enter playoff mode where they have to win every single game going forward a lot sooner than they want to. So with that, that's all we have for this episode. So hope you enjoy the next game. Hopefully we pull out this dub tonight. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. Share it with fellow Hawks fans and basketball enthusiasts across the globe. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett. That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. Hopefully the Hawks turn it around. Remember, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think about the Michael Porter Jr. take. Let me know who you think best suitors are for the Hawks in regards to the John Collins take. And with that, yeah! You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.